Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. And I'm Josh Galecki. Today, we're talking about Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Sonic & Knuckles. Developed and published by Sega, the games were released for the Sega Genesis in 1994. We're going to be talking about spoilers here, so heads up if you are sensitive to that. Yeah, if you haven't gotten around to the scintillating story of Sonic & Knuckles 3 in the almost three decades since its release, um, well, good on you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I do feel like there's a statue of limitations for spoilers. It's like... Can you spoil spoil the end of King Kong for someone? I mean, I guess you could, but... Yeah, I mean, you can't really... The, the story's not really what people are coming here to Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles 4 anyway, but um, there is more story in these two games than there is in the previous entry, so that's worth mentioning. Not just the bad character, there's a new character, Knuckles. That's right, he's, he's the key addition here. Um, but yeah, you said 1994, and it's worth mentioning, these are two games that I think from here on out, after we sort of help, you know, go through the delineation between these two games, we just refer to it as Sonic 3 and Knuckles as sort of a singular title, because I think they were always meant to sort of be together. Yeah? That's right. They were planned to be one game, but due to time constraints, they had to chop it off into two. Yeah, so interestingly, Sonic 3 comes out in February of 1994, and then Sonic & Knuckles comes out a few months later in October of 1994 as a lock-on technology game. So Sonic & Knuckles is that one weird cartridge you have that has another set (laughs) of male adapter pins at the top of it, which you can slot, well, I guess any game onto, but most importantly, Sonic 3. Mm-hmm. You are also able to slot uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on there, where you could play as Knuckles there, and 1, although I, could you redo the whole Sonic 1 as Knuckles? No, they. I think people have later modded the ability to play as Knuckles in that one, but I think there were uh, lesser additions to Sonic 1 um, due to, uh, I think, color palette constraints. I will say this was back in the day of the Game Genie. Too. So this might not have seemed as strange to us back then, uh, but the Game Genie was a device that you could put in between your cartridge game and the console, and you could actually like edit the memory locations of the game. And I remember there were these booklets published that told you like, oh, put in the this random numbers and letters here and you get infinite (laughs) lives and you're like oh that's awesome it's magic no it's just hex editing which you don't know how it works but you know magic stuff so sonic and knuckles the lock-on cartridge was not that crazy back then that's true it seems wild now but i think what it really opens the door to is the fact that you could have a game gd and sonic and knuckles and sonic 3 and start to make this wild tower. And I think the there tower was, of power. <laughs> the tower of power, yeah. So I think there were folks that had like several copies of Sonic and Knuckles. And I think I don't remember what the record was for getting this game to actually run uh, through <laughs> multiple copies of Sonic and Knuckles, but I think it was like dozens. So before we had the internet in the nineties, <laughs> we had to find some way to entertain ourselves. And so you got your whole class to bring their copies of Sonic and Knuckles and see how tall you could stack the Tower of Power. Hmm. Um. Well, your whole class <laughs> might have had Sonic and Knuckles, because I think these games were some of the best-selling ones for this uh, Genesis system. Yeah, it's true. Um, you know, the Sonic 2 was obviously a 
huge hit, and Sonic 3 came out um, a couple years later. It kind of upped the ante, like in, in a, a lot of different ways, you know, and it attracted the uh, venerable talents of one Michael Jackson for some uh, musical <laughs> contributions, which were, uh, of course, removed from being credited due to uh, the situation. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so yeah, after that, Sonic and Knuckles comes out and adds six zones, you know, a total of 12 levels. It adds a Knuckles, it adds a new ending, it adds alternate routes for all these characters throughout their levels. It's um pretty big add-on. Like, this is... You know how they now have DLC and they used to have expansion packs? This is like the console version of an expansion pack. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I mean, they planned it as one game to start off with. Um, but I do think it was kind of... Cause the, the DLC, as you call it, was put out second. It's called Sonic and Knuckles, but Knuckles was introduced in the first one. And mm-hmm. when you buy the DLC, you can, of course, play as Knuckles in the, you know, completely new game afterwards. Yeah. New yeah. set of it, stages, zones, acts, what have you. Yeah, I guess maybe just to, to back up real quick, I, I want to talk about a little bit about why we're playing this. Like, I don't know about you, but this, this game is an extreme sort of nostalgia um, jolt for me. Like Sonic 2 and Sonic 3 and Knuckles are games that I have an immense amount of nostalgia for, mostly because I didn't have consoles at this point growing up. And so mm-hmm. seeing these from afar at friends and family's houses was like a peek into a possible future in which I had entertainment that was so cool and colorful and <laughs> like jaw droppingly like intense. It was just uh, something that it stuck with me throughout the years, probably because of that. And yeah, I mean, this, Sonic is a nostalgic figure in general for a lot of uh, quote-unquote 90s kids. Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree with that. Like, for me, it was Sonic 2 that I remembered being the big nostalgia hit for me. But when I got to the Sonic and Knuckles part, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> this lumberjack guy. Oh, I remember. <laughs> There's just so much of that. I used to play that a whole lot. I think I actually played Sonic and Knuckles a lot more than Sonic 3. Mm. Uh, but I actually think Sonic Knuckles was pretty clear-cut the better half of it. You know, the uh, the back nine plays much better than the front nine on this combo game. Oh, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, there's some standouts in uh, in Sonic 3. I, those first couple levels of Sonic 3 are incredible. But before mm-hmm. we get into the game proper, maybe we set this up, right? So... I don't know how many people actually clock this, but Sonic 1, 2, and 3 do actually make up some sort of vague story about Dr. Robotnik and his death egg, a.k.a. the Robotnik Death Star. And <laughs> the setup for Sonic 3 is that it crashes into Angel Island, the home of Knuckles, who, like the annoying asshole he is, uh, promptly sucker punches Sonic and takes all of his Chaos Emeralds. You know, I really love Knuckles as just like a good jerk character. Um, and someone who's able to keep up with Sonic, as you find out later. But just, like, you're going through a level and, like, oh, shit, there's Knuckles with a switch. What bullshittery is he going to pull off now? Oh, now I'm falling into lava. Thanks, <laughs> Knuckles. <laughs> oh, he pushed a boulder on me. Oh, jeez. Oh, he bombed the building. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Like, just so relentlessly a dick to you. Like, I feel like the 90s were peak jerk times in terms of video games because you had knuckles over in the genesis you had gary your rival or blue mm. in uh in pokemon who's just like oh you just fought your way through an army let's do a fight now that's true they, they really did have some extremely spiteful rivals going on in the 90s didn't they 
I, it was glorious. It was glorious. <laughs> I, the last Pokemon game I played, I think your your rival was like, I look up to you so much and I, I wish I could be you one day. <laughs> I do remember you complaining about that. Like, where's the antagonism? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, antagonism. I want a rival, not a tea party. Punch me in the face and take my gems. Yeah. Mug me. <laughs> if I'm not losing my lunch money in the first act of this game, then it's no good. Um, <laughs> but no sonic does lose his lunch money and uh so after that you're you're off to the races and as we said like sonic 3 to my mind opens up on a bit of a banger like i really like angel island zone um angel island a- yeah that was really good mm-hmm. i think this this zone kind of sets up the whole thesis for the game right like it's intensely colorful it has great music and it um sort of introduces all of the new mechanics pretty quick you know it gives you those elemental barriers where you start to have new sonic moves it immediately introduces you to these power rings where you get the new bonus level Mm -hmm. um and most importantly it has the stage trans or the act transition where it starts off verdant and green and then with the act transition turns into a place that's on fire yeah that's very different from what they've did before and kind of changing the theming of the levels as you're going around them. Um, I think even even more so, I feel like it's been a while since I played Sonic 2, but I feel that this game, these games, had a lot more verticality to them, where, uh, backing things up, like Sonic is in a genre I call the momentum platformer, where you're, you gotta go fast, as the kids today say. Um, and it's all about that, that kind of like precision sort of thing. Um, it's not that all the time, like Sonic, paces itself where it switches up between the the really fun like going really fast um you don't know where you're going you're going in loop to loops you're going up you're going down but you just keep holding down that button and sonic goes crazy all over the place and then they have like you know as a pace break uh slower platforming sections where you have to do some more precision jumping in order to get to where you need to go but i feel that sonic 3 really like opened things up with the vertical fast movement as well that wasn't necessarily there before i feel before the levels were more horizontal horizontally inclined at least yeah i think you could make a case that sonic 2 also had like at least multiple like layers and routes through a level this is kind of in a sonic mainstay but it really comes out prominently in sonic 3 um where you can have sort of the upper path and if you make a mistake it'll shunt you down to the less efficient less fast lower path or mm-hmm. rather, you could make a dedicated point to climb into that efficient upper path and then sort of breeze through the rest of the level. I, I, I really like that about this game in that there are sort of multiple routes and they each sort of have their own um, look and feel and even like mechanics that go into them. It's an interesting way of designing something, as you said, from a momentum-based perspective because usually to have that to stay in that top realm, you have to either under understand what's coming and maybe do a little bit of light memorization or just be extremely quick with your reflexes. Well, I think the big difference for this game for me, um, and again, this is me speaking against my nostalgia here, uh, so it could be inaccurate, but I feel that that upper path and lower path thing, that was words you'd use in the previous Sonic games because, yeah, you fail on the upper path and you fall, you fall down, you're on the lower path. But I feel in this game, sometimes the more difficult path that you could breeze through would be the 
bottom path or mm. would be the right path instead of the left path. Uh, these levels twisted around on themselves a lot more. And even if you, you're going on the upper path, quote unquote, you could still fall and somehow make it onto the lower path then. Uh, but the game played around with that a lot more. Yeah, it did. And, and I think it also played around even within those paths with um, additional sort of secrets and side paths and, you know, back alleys and things of that nature. Like you could spend a lot more time trying to get up uh, a certain platforming puzzle or, you know, if you're playing, as we mentioned before, you have different character routes you could take as tails or knuckles, you know, climbing or flying up into distant areas. There's usually rewards waiting for you, either like a barrier shield or um, a emerald ring, you know, a a bonus level ring to Mm -hmm. um, help you along there. And I think that is an interesting thing too. This game actually rewards exploration to my mind a lot more than the previous entries. Yeah, I think part of that too is I agree that that happens even with Sonic, but when you have those other characters, um, you can control Knuckles and Tails for the first time in this game. Um, That Let's gives you more moves and more verbs that you don't have just as Sonic, and they can take a Sonic level and be like, and if you climb up over here, right. then there's a hidey hole. Yeah, I I, I really like that. Um, I think just talking a little bit more about those character choices, you know, I think it's worth sort of differentiating Sonic. Uh, he has, you know, he has the highest jump, he moves the fastest, and he has that uh, shock. Um, what's the name of that thing that he has? It's uh, the instant the shock shield. Yeah, yeah, the thing that sort of flashes a little shock right by him, and it sort of like very minorly extends his hit rate radius. But also, when he has a shield, it allows him to use a special move like a dash with the fire shield or a bounce with the bubble. Um, or my personal favorite, the extra jump with the the lightning shield. <laughs> um, Who doesn't love a good double jump? Yeah, and you know, you know that is just that's Sonic's thing. Everyone gets those shields, but he's the only one that can use the special moves with them. Um, hmm. ta- Tails, to my mind, he's the exploration character, right? Like, if you really want to probe every nook and cranny of a level, uh, he is, you know, able to get to places that none of the other characters are from a vertical perspective. You know, exploring that verticality you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And then Knuckles' campaign is just kind of completely different. Like, it's alternate routes through most of the levels, different bosses, different ending. Um, it's a really nice, you know, I, I think this game probably, if it came out today, would have caught flack for being, like, you know, another full-priced game, but it's not adding a whole lot. Or rather, that these two games together make up about the amount of content that's in, say, you know, Sonic 2 plus 25 to 50%. Um, but I think Knuckles' route, to me, would undercut that, because it is very, very different than the other two people. It is interesting. This is the first game they give you a choice on who to be. I always thought Tails was an interesting... Um, he was introduced in Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and he would follow you around, act as a kind of like, he could collect rings for you, he could maybe get an extra hit in on yeah. the boss... And of course, what I remember it the most for is it was the little brother, brother, little brother character. Yeah. Yeah. Because he <laughs> never dies. He uh, just flies back a minute later. So the person who's less good at video games, AKA me at age six, uh, could play <laughs> as Tails. And, you know, my big brother could handle the hard stuff of not dying while I just launched myself again and again at uh, the boss character. 
That's hilarious. I was literally going to say the little brother character too. So you took the words right out of my mouth. That's that's fantastic. Um, no, I mean, I think that's a pretty universal experience. And I think it still probably would hold up in that regard today. You know, it, it's funny, like we're talking about Sonic, you know, 30 years almost on from this game. And I think it's just come so far since then in terms of like, it, it's Sonic is kind of a running joke at this point. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, at, at this point, like if you didn't, if you weren't exposed to these early games and like saw how good they were, you might think like the attitude around Sonic as it is today, that there was never really any good Sonic games. But, you know, to my mind, at least, and maybe this is nostalgia speaking, these were some pretty good games. Like they were, they're fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, the contemporaries too, like uh, Sonic, the, the first Sonic the Hedgehog came out around Super Mario World time frame or super mario world 2 yoshi's island like those were the (laughs) contemporary platformers with it those were great games for sure and i think all these games still hold up years later um i do think that one thing that might hold sonic back a little bit for maybe the modern uh like someone picks it up today is first the game put a lot more stock in having like the best graphics than those classic, more cartoony Mario's did. Um, and, you know, I think both of the games have their own good art style and work well within that. But, um, you know, the best graphics is never a title you hold for very long. Uh, the I think the other thing is the art style of Sonic is very 90s. Yes. Like, I can only imagine playing this on like a UHD monitor or something like that and just the colors coming out and hitting me in the face, stealing my chaos emeralds and running away. This was a very saturated game, like sometimes almost like painfully so. Super saturated. It's like Lisa Frank, Trapper Keeper, the game. Um, (laughs) It's wild. Hammer Pants, the game. Yeah, I but mean, that's it, how things were in the 90s. And and to that end, like I would argue that that like super leaning into, you know, the current cultural moment and, and, you know, how aesthetics were at the time, like does make it hold up better than a lot of its contemporaries. Because to your point, like it had good graphics for the time. Like there's a lot of animations going on in backgrounds. There's a lot of detail. Beautiful sprite animations in this game. Like sometimes they were just flexing on it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I think like some of that stuff holds up like. You know, it, it's probably worth mentioning that we, we both probably, I, I'm speaking at least for myself here, is played this game in multiple different iterations, multiple different releases, you know, emulated um, on the original hardware, now with the origin release uh, in an altered format, sort of. Um, I've seen this game a lot of different ways at a lot of different times, and it always still looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think a thing you got to keep in mind, too, is the technological limitations, not just in terms of the pixel art style, but also things like the memory limitations on there. Like, you play a modern pixel art game these days, and yeah, the animations will look a lot smoother, um, and generally be, they can be more detailed. Like that, um, There's a Street Fighter game that came out like a decade ago that had massive pixel art characters super well done and everything and super smoothly animated but like memory doesn't really exist anymore for it's a not video a limitation games. yeah yeah it's like oh how many terabytes is the next elder scrolls gonna take <laughs> i don't know all of them sure that's fine and this game's like okay i couldn't fit like you could fit 10 copies of me on your flash drive and that's where i gotta squeeze my art into so 
like looking at these animations, especially in the context of the time they were made in, I'm sure they did a lot of voodoo in order to get that to fit on the limitations of the cart. And maybe that's why they needed two carts for some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Like, I don't know exactly what limits they were pushing up against with regards to like, could this have all even fit on one cart or not? Um, but it, it certainly was a development timeline concern, hence the the release, you know, six to, I guess, eight months later. But it, um, I don't know, uh, to my mind, it, it, it paid off. Um, and maybe we should talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more about the game itself and, and uh, go into some of these stage concerns, because I know we were talking about how we had two acts and the first one sort of set a thesis for how they have transitions between acts. But what I also like about this game is they have good transitions between zones. In previous entries, you just kind of would suddenly appear at the next zone. There wasn't exactly too much context set there, but what I like about Sonic & Knuckles 3 is that you usually have a reason for ending up in the next place you are. For example, end of Angel Island, Knuckles shows up, like the guy he is, um, hits a switch, <laughs> throws you down into Hydrocity Zone, which, by the way, is this the best water level in games? It could be. Better than Sonic 2's water level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's at least oh, beating Okay, me. so <laughs> I'm not going to say it's the best water level, but it's best Sonic water level, because I didn't hate them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like Hydrocity Zone for what it is, or Hydro City, whatever you want to call it. Um, water World. It is um, pretty cool. It has excellent music. And uh, as I mentioned, you sort of get the, the reasoning for why you're there. Uh, Knuckles literally blows up a bridge and sends you down there. He's blowing stuff up a lot in this game, I'm starting to realize. <laughs> He's a jerk. That's what jerks do in the 90s. They blow stuff up, right? And yeah. then it became not cool to do that later on. <laughs> <laughs> They do have interesting transitions, yeah, going between the two or uh, different zones, different acts. And I feel like the zone, the zones in this game, they all had good character to them. Even though I think the circus one was kind of like retread of the Casino Knights. I agree. That, that I, I perennially dislike uh, Carnival Night or whatever they're calling it in this one. Um, it's not as good as Casino Night. It, I feel like the Sega team only understands like one thing about uh, recreation and carnivals, casinos, and fairs all kind of blend together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a party, I guess. They should just have bar night zone. <laughs> oh, man. No, I want to see Sonic Peggle Night now. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. But um, yeah, I agree. That, that's probably my least favorite level in this um, this run in Sonic 3. I kind of People give Marble Gardens a... Uh, a hard time but i really like the vertical like super steep aspects of it i don't love those spinning tops but i like sort of the aesthetics and the the super steep hills mm-hmm. i will say we'll come across my least favorite puzzle in this game where you have to push a box which is something sonic is well known for doing but <laughs> i was stuck at this for maybe half an hour um, before i gave up and looked up a youtube video if this was like six-year-old me uh I just have to return it to the rental store two days later, not having gotten any further. Now, are you talking about Ice Cap Zone? Ice Cap Zone, yeah. Yeah, so Ice Cap Zone, to me, is another, I think in its original incarnations, was kind of a high point. Like, one, 
again, fantastic music. Probably either the high point or near the high point of the entire Sonic 3 and Knuckles run. Well, um, that must have been a Jackson song then, right? If it got it removed. It was. It got removed for Origins, uh, which I, I think I, I mentioned in our chat about the game, because, wow, those, uh, those substitute tracks that came from the prototype are... They just don't hit the same. <laughs> I think someone put it as like, you can either substitute the tracks or not have Sonic the Hedgehog 3 re-released. It's just like, okay, I gotcha. If you got yeah. some mistake being a dick about things, then sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much of this was in their control, but boy, it it sure is like a, a bummer that they don't get those. It's it's three of the better tracks. Well, at least one of the better tracks. Uh, Ice Cap Zone obviously being absent from the Origins release is a huge bummer. Launch Base Zone, also a fairly good couple tracks that are missing as well. Carnival Night, I've already said I kind of disdain that level in general, and whether or not that music is good is kind of neither here nor there for me, because I'm never having a good time in that level anyway. Um, <laughs> I think one quote-unquote innovation that I didn't like, if they did this the first time in uh, Ice Cap Zone, they did it again in Sandopolis in Sonic and Knuckles, uh, but the infinitely repeating levels. I feel like if you were a wizard trying to trap Sonic in some hell, you would do that, which <laughs> makes a good bad guy, but also doesn't make good gameplay when you are Sonic. If they're like, I'm going fast and I'm going nowhere. Yeah, it's actually pretty uh, pretty good, like in terms of a thematic hell for Sonic to endure, but also hell <laughs> for the player to endure, which is not so good. It's like, yeah, let's just repeat doing the same section over and over again until you notice it's the same, which, by the way, Sonic the 3 did this um, a couple of times where you'd go through the same kind of like vertical loop-de-loop kind of sequence that would last 20, 30 seconds. So the game's already primed you to be like, okay, I'm just seeing the same thing again, but that's just because that's what the game does. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, joke's on you. I punched you in the face and took your gems because you're just doing the same thing over and over again. You should have realized that. <laughs> it's true. It's um, it's definitely not my favorite thing that they do as a gimmick in uh, a couple places in these games. Um, one of the things I do like as a gimmick that they continue to do is have the the mid-bosses. Uh, and it's not even really a gimmick. It's a, a whole addition to the Sonic 3 and Knuckles compared to the previous ones. Having a mid-boss oh, really? at the, the oh, first Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. The mid-boss at the end of Act 1 and then going into Act 2 as the Robotnik fight for each zone is a change from these two games compared to their predecessors. And I, you know, none of those mid-bosses are ever hard, but they always have interesting ideas. Um, I, I really like my like, lumberjack the, boy. Loved yeah, him. Lumberjack guys. He chops great. trees at you. It's great. The, the guy in flying battery that you have to make hit himself. Um, <laughs> there's there's all kinds of good like interesting sort of puzzle bosses in in there, um, and I I appreciate that. Uh, and I think we we've come to the part where we need to just say, as you said, um, going into Sonic and Knuckles from Sonic Three, you could tell that they had some extra time to work on these. Like these like. Mushroom Hill Zone is extremely intricate. It's a really nice sort of like evolution. It has three different color palettes, you know? Yeah, <laughs> two transitions. Yeah. I think that's that's kind of cool. Like they 
they even upped their own ante from like I think they brought into Sonic 3 with Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which I really appreciate. You know, they weren't content to sit on the laurels of an already pretty great Sonic game. They kept it moving up. One thing that I think is really interesting about the Sonic series in general, and this being the first Sonic series we've had, uh, this is a good time to talk about it, uh, but the rings, like, how, like, uh, what happens is you have your collectible rings, like collectible coins, um, in Mario or whatever other platformer game you might be playing, uh, you try to get as many as you can, if you get a hundred, you get an extra life, which is very, very useful in the original game, um, and then when you get hit, they all go flying out, and you're able to collect them. Uh, but the more you have, the harder it is to, like, you collect lower and lower amounts. Um, but it's it's really interesting. Like, you get to some boss fights, you might have one ring, and you can lose that one ring over and over again as, as long as you can catch it afterwards. Like, its conception of health is pretty unique in video games for that. I totally agree with you. I really like the ring health system. Um, For what it's worth, I think it basically cuts it in half every time you get hit. So, Mm, you know, I always suspected, but could never count quickly enough. Yeah, I think I think there was an experiment I ran back when I was seven or something like that to to confirm this. But (laughs) (laughs) that Um, is the most seven year old 90s kid experiment to do. Kind of, yeah. Um, I should have made a poster for science class about it. But at any rate, um, yeah, I, I like this system, and I think it's really generous, because as you said, like, uh, you have 100 rings, you get hit once, you have an opportunity to collect 50. Maybe you collect 10 of them. Um, you get hit again, you collect one of them. But if you get hit again, that one ring, you can keep collecting it over and over and over <laughs> and over again. So as long as you got that one ring, that's your lifeline, baby. Uh, and eventually, you know, the timeline will get shorter for how long you get to collect it, and it'll oh, you'll eventually realized. sort of die. Yeah, it's interesting because it's a skill-based health system. Uh, it keeps attention high because you're never more than two hits from dying. Um, and then when you do get hit, it's like here's your forgiveness period. Quick, change your plan and scatter and get these things. Get this ring now. Yeah, it's, it's really pretty genius, and I don't know why more games haven't tried to ape this in one way or another. I'm sure some have, and I'm just not remembering them, but I think it fits really well, especially in the context where it most matters, which is boss fights. Boss fights, for the most part in this game, are arenas, right? So you get hit, your rings go flying around the arena. Your, as you said, your attention immediately goes from, how do I kill this boss to, how do I get back as many rings as I can to keep my health bar <laughs> from being gone forever? Um, mm-hmm. And that's that feels like frantic and good and, and keeps you extremely engaged. Uh, it's a really good experience just as a health system because it's both entertaining and generous. It gives a little more heft to the collectible nature of the rings too, just in the level. Like if I'm playing a Mario game, unless there's like a collect 100 coin star or something like that, if I see a coin, I'm like, okay, if it's on the way, then maybe I'll go slightly out of my way to get it but in sonic you're like okay that's that's a little bit of extra life right there i should try to go for that and it also has spawned incredible memes throughout the years because when you see someone like 
get punched in like say a MMA fight uh, video or someone get blocked in an NBA game and they play the ring sound, it is always entertaining. Besides the normal rings you can collect, you also find these giant rings hidden away behind secret passages or in little nooks and crannies. There is one per zone. Uh, no. (laughs) There are many per zone. (laughs) There are many per zone is what I meant to say. Yeah, so these these large rings that you can get in terms of the uh, the large the secret stages. Um, this is basically how you acquire your chaos emeralds in this game, right? So we see I mentioned up top that the chaos emeralds go away. How do you get them back? You have to become supersonic at some point in this game, of course. Um, you that find was never something I was even on my radar as a kid. So I I tried to keep with that current tradition of not caring at all about these. So I didn't collect them in my playthrough, but... I did. Um, And I'll tell you, they have... They have several per stage. I don't know if it's a full seven to allow you to, to get up there, but I think there's there's varying amounts between stages. I couldn't tell you exactly how many are in each stage, but I know that I was able to get supersonic by stage three this time around. Oh, wow. So I was yeah. going to think that I was just really good at finding these, because I'm like, <laughs> I found one for every level that I'm not even trying. No, there's like, um, I think there's like, at least three or four in the first zone, at least another three or four in the second, and then I knocked it out in Marble Garden and had Supersonic from there on out. Which gives you some advantages too, right? Like, what does that do in this game? So in Sonic 3 and Knuckles, once you have all of the the Chaos Emeralds, um, for the first half of the game, the, the Sonic 3 half, you can turn into Supersonic, which means you basically become invincible, or you, you can do that once you acquire 50 rings. Uh, it allows you to become invincible. You basically have permanent speed boost where you have extremely enhanced acceleration. You have a longer jump, a higher jump. Um, it's kind of just like you fly through the level and beat it, and as long as your rings don't run out, uh, which would be a bad thing because then suddenly you're not only not Supersonic and you also have zero rings. Um, then you're golden, right? So it's kind of a, I really like supersonic as a mechanic because what you're basically saying is I have enough rings right now that I could turn into supersonic and beat this level before they run out. Um, Mm -hmm. it's sort of a bet that you're making with yourself. Like, I think I got this, like the speed boost and the amount of rings I have left and the invincibility will allow me to finish this off. Because if you do run out of those rings, you revert to normal sonic with zero rings and that's never a good position to be in. (laughs) No. You die pretty easily at that point, especially as quickly as you go by uh, and discover new enemies, traps, things like that. We skipped one step, though. You don't just find these rings and get an emerald. You have to do a minigame, uh, a very either widely hated or widely loved minigame, depending on who you asked, uh, which is called Blue Sphere. Well, you didn't see me doing it. so <laughs> I, I don't love Blue Sphere, personally. Um, but basically what it amounts to is you are uh, Sonic. You are dropped on sort of a Mode 7 style grid, um, but it's sphere. So you are running around a gigantic sphere, and there are red spheres, blue spheres, and 
white bumper spheres. You will need to collect all of the blue spheres, run into them, turning them into red spheres without hitting any red spheres. So you need to basically run around, ensure that you're getting all of the blue spheres in the level without hitting any red spheres. Uh, if you encircle a group of spheres from the outside, basically if you go around the edge of a large grid of blue spheres, it will turn all of the spheres in the middle into rings that you can collect and boost your score and possibly get extra lives. And if you hit a white sphere, it will bump you most likely into a red sphere. So. Um, all this sounds complicated because it is. It's pretty easy for the first few of these bonus stages, but gets extremely hard by uh, the end of, say, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which iterates on this, allowing you to get Hyper Emeralds and, uh, at the same time, upping the difficulty of these Blue Sphere bonus levels. I'm glad you enjoyed them, but <laughs> I pieced out after the first two where I said, I'm not going fast enough in an interesting way. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. Like, you don't have to do this, um, uh, these bonus stages to get the Chaos Emeralds at all. Like, it is totally a um, side activity of the game. However, it does unfortunately unlock the true ending, quote-unquote, of Sonic & Knuckles 3. Uh, you have to get not only all of the Chaos Emeralds through the first half of the game, but then all of the Hyper Emeralds, or Super Emeralds, rather, through the second half of the game to become Hypersonic. And... That is a tall ask back in the time when there were no safe states and just limited numbers of lives and uh, not the system that they have in Origins, which I think is actually a really good quality of life improvement that uh, it offers, which is... Huge. It gives you coins. Instead of lives, you get coins that are accrued um, throughout your entire playthrough through any of the games. So by the end of my playthrough of like Sonic 1 and 2 and 3 and Knuckles, I had over 100. Um, but it lets you replay these bonus stages if you fail them. So you can basically say, oh, you failed this bonus stage. Do you want to spend a coin to do it again? Which is basically like saying, do you want to spend an extra life to do it again? And the answer for me was always, yeah, sure, absolutely. I know what I need to do to get the true ending of this game, so I, I will hmm. do that. <laughs> that works out super well. Uh, I did buy Sonic Origins for this podcast, and I played the... At, at first, I started playing in the classic mode, which was Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles as it came out. I think I got to Zone 3, and just like when I was a kid, I died too many times, and I had to start over because I was out <laughs> of continues. Um, and... <laughs> You can play the Anniversary Edition, which is so much better, which says, nope, you can keep on going. And I will tell you, there were points in the game where, you know, you're doing your gotta go fast sort of thing. You're holding down the button and you're running through. And there's points in the game where the game dev says, haha, you're dead now. Because, like, spikes come out of the ceiling and squash you and you insta-die because of that. Um, yes, that happened in Zone 3 and Sonic and uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and took out all my lives um, <laughs> go, getting past that one. It was a bummer. And I was like, oh, okay. I've got to give myself some space between this game. I don't know if I really want to do it uh, as a podcast game. But then I tried the anniversary edition, which is like lives. We're not in 1980s arcade. We don't need your quarters. <laughs> we got your quarters. We're good. Have fun. And it was a lot more fun. The you're dead now traps would spring up. We're now just like a minute or or, or two of uh, backtracking instead of taking you back to the beginning of the game. 
Yeah, it, it is definitely a huge, like, sort of modern convenience improvement. I would totally agree with that. And, like, as far as, like, a commercial release of this game, if it wasn't for the lack of some of the key tracks in the Sonic 3 portion of the game, I think it would be a pretty unqualified recommendation for me because it not only adds that huge quality of life improvement you mentioned, but also um, some pretty cool cinematics that bridge the games. It sort of shows how things got uh, to where they were between Sonic 1 and 2, uh, between or rather between Sonic 1 and Sonic CD. Weirdly, they, they threw Sonic CD in there too, um, which was <laughs> because they had them in the first four games in chronological order. But um, regardless, I like those little um, added like animated cinematics that they added in there. They're, they're you know, cute and clever and uh, pretty well done. And on top of that, obviously, not having to play this game in 4x3, but rather 16x9 is a huge improvement. So I will say I will unqualifyingly recommend this Sonic Origins over the classic games if you don't own them on one of the other compilations they have already. Or an um, emulator. But, <coughs> for, yeah, uh, <laughs> something, something. Um, but the added cinematics, the only one I really saw was the one that happens at the start of Sonic the Hedgehog 3, which... Actually, I, I disliked it because oh, yeah. <laughs> it gave the backstory for why Knuckles is a jerk against you. It's because Robotnik tells him a tall tale and he <laughs> thinks you're a bad guy. I liked Knuckles better when he was just a jerk. He's like, fuck you. Here's my switch. Die in a fire. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of agree. Like, it's more entertaining when Knuckles is just an antagonistic asshole. Um, Knuckles as bully is kind of like the, the mindset that I think we all sort of had for him, um, mm-hmm. until he started talking and he's like, Oh, he's just a misunderstood ally. Oh God. I don't need a tragic backstory. Give me someone <laughs> whose guts I can hate. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the, the whole point, but I mean, you got Robotnik, but he's just so like, nah, he's a punching bag by the game it, three. Yeah. It's like, Oh no, will Robotnik win? <laughs> third time's the charm i don't know he gets pretty close at the end of three but we'll talk about the ending soon one thing i do want to talk about with the anniversary edition uh very interesting thing the change to the 16 by 9 aspect ratio bringing it into line with kind of modern uh widescreens as opposed to the old four by threes um there's a really interesting thing game designers talk about when you're trying to make a momentum platformer which is how much the level of zoom matters to the experience of speed. If you um, zoom out farther in order to let the player see what's coming more, you feel like you're going slower, like the player perceives themselves as going slower as compared to if you're zoomed in more. And that's because they have more reaction time in order to like jump over things over here. So I'm sure there's hardcore Sonic players out there who only play the 4x3 and look down on those of us who are doing the 16x9. But I will say that I really enjoyed going the 16x9 widescreen and having that extra millisecond of reaction time to what's coming towards me. This is why games with some of the best sense of speed are on the PlayStation and the Nintendo 64, because... You just don't have that view distance, and all of a sudden when there's a wall in front of you and you're approaching it extremely <laughs> quickly, it causes a certain reaction. <laughs> like, oh shit, I'm going way too fast. <laughs> I think that's kind of why it took Sonic so long to find its feet 3D-wise. When you can just see everything ahead of you, then it is not the same Sonic feel as the first 3.5 games. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. And for what it's worth, I think like some of the modern uh, 
iterations of Sonic as a 2D game, which is to say like this release Origins, some of the more modern re-releases of 1, 2, and now Sonic 3 and Knuckles, as well as, of course, Sonic Mania, which I'm going to go ahead and lobby for us talking about at some point, have kind of nailed it down, I think, in terms of like maintaining that sense of speed that was present in the originals while improving the aspect ratio to allow for, I guess, what you would call a modern sensibility of uh, you know, allowing it to exist on modern hardware. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of modern hardware, there is nothing better than hearing the song, the songs and sounds of uh, Sonic Three and Knuckles on some really excellent speakers and a subwoofer. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I mean, I, I have a lot of like nostalgia for the music in this game or these games rather, but boy, like. They sound great even today, and um, I don't know. Do you have any favorites or, or standout uh, thoughts about the soundtrack? Oh, uh, I don't know if I have a favorite, but I did notice there's kind of like a line of funk influence to how things were going around, uh, not just on the Michael Jackson songs, but on some other things, some funk or R&B influences to how uh, a lot of the music was played, which I thought was interesting. Um, not something you saw maybe a lot of, I don't think, as in uh, games coming out at the time, but I liked it. I would argue you have some, like, jazziness going on with, like, say, Hydrocity Zone Act 2, which I really love. Like, that's probably one of my favorite tracks, and I'm sure I, if I haven't already cut it into this podcast, it will be cut in right here. <laughs> The Sonic games have always kind of been standouts for their soundtracks, like thinking back to some of the um, best uh, video game tracks over the, the course of the 90s, like you will hear some Sonic 2 sounds, or some Sonic 2 tracks, uh, Chemical Plant stands out to me, um, Chemical Plant Zone that is, um, mm-hmm. and coming here into Sonic 3 and Knuckles, like just off the top of my head, some of my favorites, obviously Ice Cap Zone. Um, Act One just opens up with a, a, a huge, like, incredible banger. Um, Hydrocity. Act One is good. Act Two is transcendent. Mushroom Hill, pretty darn good. Um, the original iteration of the Launch Base Zone is pretty cool. It sort of has this, like, urban feel where they have the, um, uh, again, we're going to reference Michael Jackson, but Michael Jackson's uh, uh, O's and yes, and sort of like uh, cutting in of some sort of uh, digitized voices to augment the uh, what's going on yeah go 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 you know that sort of thing like um, the keyboard version of doing that right it's it's not necessarily a, a digitized voice as like a singer but rather a it's like the orchestra hit you know like the the famous orchestra hit that is used in in everything but it's instead mm-hmm. of just a voice saying go um <laughs> which works mm. uh for sonic <laughs> specifically for the 90s yeah for the 90s in general sound or incredible track that goes along with it and yeah i mean i I don't know i could just keep going most of the tracks in this game are good some of them are fantastic you know what was interesting for me i was just listening to the soundtrack for both these games today and i enjoyed it much more as a soundtrack than i did inside the game itself I think when I was playing the game, I was so focused on one thing or another. Like, the music was in the background, and it was good, but, like, being able to 
hear the songs and just focus on the songs themselves, you appreciate them. Uh, I appreciated them a lot more. Hmm. Yeah, I think there are points in time in this game where the track augments the mood that is on the screen in a big way, but there are also times when it's just a good track and it exists on its own regardless of whether you're looking at Sonic zooming across an extremely colorful background or not. And with that, let's run into some three-word reviews. My three-word review for Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Sonic and Knuckles is a personal best. The combo game of Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Sonic and Knuckles will always be peak Sega for me. They had their formula down pat and they leaned into their strengths. They delivered. What I considered to be the most distilled Sonic experience. Sonic was a flagship title of a council heavyweight, and the polish and shine in this game show through three decades later. Alas, things were going to slow down soon for Sega. For a decade or more after Sonic & Knuckles was released, Sonic fans were mostly disappointed with what was offered. Between some mediocre games and some missteps when transitioning to 3D, Sonic got left in the dust. Replaying this game now, decades on, it's not hard to see why Sonic was considered an honest-to-goodness rival to Mario, an iconic game character who is now more or less untouchable on top his lofty platform. It was fun going back to see Sonic run the race and achieve a personal best. Couldn't agree more. It's one of my favorites as well. My three-word review is Nostalgic Sensory Overload. I played Sonic 3, and 2 for that matter, an inordinately large amount in my youth, but never at my own house. I didn't own any video game systems at the time, so these games were always a memorable experience shared with close friends. With the benefit of hindsight, I believe the thing that sets Sonic 3 and Knuckles apart from its predecessors and successors is the memorable loop of core-level design layered in with the three distinct iterations of Sonic, Knuckles, and Tails campaigns, setting each of the three routes apart and distinct from one another. All that being said, the thing that keeps me coming back to this game, or games, year over year, is the gorgeous artwork, wonderful music, and simple, low-effort fun. It's an assault on your senses in the most 90s way possible, and some part of my brain is always willing to re-immerse myself in those nostalgic waters. More than almost any other game, Sonic 3 & Knuckles reminds me of a specific moment in my life. It's not a perfect game, but it does perfectly encapsulate that time for me. And with that, we want to say, thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to share it with folks you think might enjoy it as well. And if you want to get in touch, drop us a note at pixelatedplaygrounds at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at pixelplaypod. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. Take care and keep on running.
soundtrack did seem to have a good number of influences to it. Like, again, I was... I think it's because I was able to focus on the music itself just as being music, as opposed to, like, being separated from the game. But uh, I really enjoyed listening to the soundtrack today. Yeah, I mean, it's really pretty good across the board. And, And, you know, obviously you'll find a lot of people that have, like been inspired by this soundtrack over the years or these soundtracks over the years um there's uh i'm sure i've probably shared with you at some point insane in the rain the saxophone player um who uh he did a cover of hydrocity zone with like a full jazz band that is uh par excellence i would say um i'll see if i can link that in our show notes um and then send that to me again because now it means more yeah, and there's a, there's also a guy that did all of the Sonic Boss themes covered as heavy metal songs, which is really hmm. good. <laughs> That's nice. They probably kind of always should have existed as heavy metal songs, honestly. Dr. Robotnik seems like a heavy metal guy. Um, <laughs> have you seen the new movie with Jim Carrey? I haven't. Um, you know, I haven't seen any of those. Uh, there's two now, actually. And uh, I've seen neither. And I feel like I should, because I I think, from what I understand, they're not bad. Well, you know, the kids are only going to get older. (laughs) That's true. Maybe they'll like them one day. So I mentioned that I listened to the soundtrack earlier today. A couple of things that I didn't realize while playing the game. Um, The first one was that a lot of the tracks are only a minute and a half or two minutes long. Mm -hmm. And they go on the loop, of course. Yeah. Uh, But the soundtrack I was listening to did not just have the major songs in there, too. They also had the short, almost more musical stabs, like the Act Over uh, song, which took six seconds to go through. Or, this was my favorite, the... um, or maybe my least favorite, the drowning music is exactly 11 <laughs> seconds long. And I didn't realize it, but I swear my pulse shot over 100 beats a minute during that 11 seconds of playing. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm tense all of a sudden yep. for reasons I can't fathom. They, yeah, when that, that drowning music comes on, like I think it causes trauma for everyone that hears it. So I don't know if I'll cut it into this podcast because I don't want someone who's on their commute to get into a car accident because they had a cardiac arrest or something. <laughs> They're like, I don't know what I got to do, but I got to swerve. Escape. <laughs> yeah, please don't swerve. Um, but yeah, no, I, I hear you. That that drowning music is... That is probably the ingrained. most... Yeah, it is ingrained in the brain, for sure. I, th- I blame Sonic 2, which had terrible water levels. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, the yeah. chemical plant had great music and terrible, like, you're gonna die here, kid. Yeah, there, and then they followed it up with uh, Aquatic Ruins, which is just also a tough water level. Man, they really, like, shot themselves in the foot with those first few levels in that game. Um, or wait, I feel no, like the 90s always... had a very big, like platformer stage of we need to mix things up for the player let's throw a water level in there where it's like a platformer but you can't control anything yeah it's like a platformer but it hates you Um. (laughs) (laughs) it's true (laughs) um speaking of things that hate you um the getting the ending of sonic 3 and knuckles the true ending that is is a herculean feat on old hardware but it was actually pretty attainable on an anniversary edition so i did manage to do that and um i I feel like we should at least run through like what that entails full spoilers off because i think it's like one of the better endings for a game of this type 
Um, have you ever seen or done the true ending of Sonic 3 and Knuckles? No, I was never a Chaos Emerald searcher. Got it. So I, I was even back in the day, like this was the thing that I sought out and did, uh, you know, when I had too much time and was young. And um, mm. so, yeah, if you if you manage to acquire all those uh, hyper emeralds and you become hypersonic, um, hypersonic, really, did that guy need to be hyper? I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, so here's the thing is you at, at the end of the, um, you know, once you beat Death Egg Zone at the end of Sonic and Knuckles, you get an extra boss fight where you don't descend back down to Earth, but rather follow Robotnik into space as hypersonic and like chase after him. Like, you know what it reminds me of? I don't know if you've ever seen this, but um, Kirby, the end of uh, Kirby's adventure where you're flying through space and chasing that orb with a star rod. Um, it's kind of like that. But yeah, you're you're basically chasing after Robotnik, avoiding meteors through like an asteroid belt and trying to get him to shoot himself with missiles. And then basically once you beat that boss, just continuously ram his escape pod vehicle that is carrying the, the like, big chaos emerald that you're trying to save um, until it blows up and you bring it back down to earth and save the day. It is extremely like high energy triumphant final boss fight. And for my money, um, one of the better sort of final boss fights, I mean, definitely in this series, but kind of in this whole like 2D platformer genre. Hmm. That's very interesting because I'd read up about the ending, but I thought it was just a different cutscene you'd get if you got all the... They give you a whole boss fight. That is something I like. Like if a player puts in the time and effort to go for the good ending, go for the true ending, then yeah, let them have like an extra challenge. like Because uh, then you get the extra reward of knowing you've done it before. I'll tell you where I pieced out with this game was on the final uh, boss fight of the not good ending um, <laughs> when you're fighting the Dr. Robotnik chaos gem emerald yeah, yeah. giant robot kind of thing and it reminded me of a very 90s thing too which was the uh, checkpointed shitty bosses. checkpointing yeah yeah they're like okay like um they you forgot to him. put rings after that checkpoint. <laughs> they sure did. And I sure died a bunch after playing exactly one minute and five seconds of fighting giant robot hands over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is a tough putt if you're not um, either knowing what you're going into and have all of the you know tools, a.k.a. emeralds, to make it more or less trivial. But, um, boy it sucks ass to have to like do that and die and not have any rings and basically need to do a two-stage boss fight perfectly like uh, without safe states like that's just that's a bridge too far for me i think for me it was that the second stage was very poorly telegraphed i died at least 12 times trying to figure out what i was supposed to do and what the attack pattern was or like how you hide from the giant laser beam never figured it out and i'm okay with that no it, it sucks it's terrible it's a it's a real bad like sequence right there and it sucks because hidden behind it is that really like triumphant final boss if you have all the hyper emeralds and like i feel like it's one of those things that like most people probably will not have seen if they didn't either a use save states or b you know do it with the anniversary edition which makes it a little more doable yeah although that is really interesting thing that emulators bring to the table is that 
Um, I remember for ZSNES, the go back 10 seconds in time feature. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Made a lot of these challenges a lot more worthwhile. 